Good morning, church. It's good to have you today, and uh, so thank you for coming in. Thank you for going here instead of Pine Tree. We love our academy, but it's nice to have a few people here for worship this morning. And uh, so we're going to continue our series. This is part three of Repairing the Breach. And so I'm going to have TJ open with prayer, and we're going to get right into it. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we are privileged to be here in your presence today. We know we are small in number, but your spirit is, is ever-present with those who desire to gather. And we lift up those down at uh, Freeport at the alumni service. Uh, we pray that you will continue to bless and guide as we seek to reveal your word to your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And why don't you introduce today's theme? So today we're looking at Jesus and the Sabbath. We spent quite a bit of time talking about um, the true intent of the Sabbath and our focus on Isaiah 58. But today we're going to take a look at Jesus and his interactions with the Sabbath and what he revealed to the people in regards to how to keep the Sabbath. That's right. So we're actually starting in the first account in the New Testament, in the gospel story, the Jesus story, the first account of Jesus and the Sabbath. And this account finds us in Matthew chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath. So we're noting here that Jesus encounters in the gospel story during his time here, his encounters when it comes to law were wrestling with the Jewish laws that have been piled up to protect the Sabbath, which were instead burying the Sabbath. So when you see him confronting law, he's confronting these Hebrew laws that had been piled up and ultimately obscured the Sabbath. And so Jesus works very hard to liberate the Sabbath, you might say. Right. And, and consider what's going on here. Right? The Pharisees have put a lot of time and effort to try to catch Jesus in the act. Right? They're skulking around, following him to see if he's going to violate the Sabbath. Right? They had turned fault finding into a worship practice. I mean, that's a pretty sad place to be. Mm -hmm. We're covering almost, almost every story by the time we're done of Jesus and the Sabbath, almost. One of the stories we're leaving out is Luke 14, and you mentioned the Pharisees constantly trying to get Jesus in trouble. That theme comes up over and over again. But Luke 14, they actually invite him over for dinner as a setup, literally invite him over for dinner to try to trap him. They even bring a sick guy to the house for dinner. They set the sick guy like right in front of Jesus. Like they literally set the stage right. to get Jesus to violate the Sabbath because they are trying to get him. So just keep that in the back of your mind as Jesus is, is healing on the Sabbath. It's not a low risk, no risk action. Today we think healing someone is a wonderful thing. Back then it was a wonderful thing, except on Sabbath. So every healing Jesus does, especially in Jerusalem and the larger population centers, is one more nail in his coffin, in a sense. Right. And I think it goes to show how important that this subject was to him, mm -hmm. that he would willingly violate 
what they had considered the morals and standards of, of the, the religion to be. Right? Mm -hmm. That he would go that extra mile to ensure that there was a true understanding of what the Sabbath meant. And that's a great point. In other words, he's taking those risks because it matters right. to get the Sabbath right. That's right. It is, it is essential, mm. right? Um, and we'll look at that a little bit further in yep. discuss today. So just a quick note, you'll, you'll notice that the, the religious laws are quite burdensome. It reminded me of this text in Matthew 23, for they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders. This grain law, ridiculous grain law, was one of those heavy burdens that they had laid on men's shoulders. The text also observes that they were unwilling to move them with one of their fingers. So they would pile these laws on. It doesn't come up in this text, but there is a, uh, probably more than one story where they were willing to restrict the people, but give themselves liberty for things right. like taking care of their animals, which Jesus deftly points out on more than one occasion how they were duplicitous in putting a law on the people, but mm -hmm. then giving them exceptions so that their livestock, their own well-being didn't right. suffer. And not only did they, they put these additional burdens upon the people, but what was interesting is that it only applied to their people. They were more than willing to let the Gentiles do mm. their work for them, right? And I had kind of mentioned this last week about this, this concept of the Sabbath being just for them. That was the mentality. When in fact, the Sabbath is for everyone, mm -hmm. right? And we should seek to relieve the burdens of everyone, not just those within our household or those within our fellowship of faith. Mm, absolutely. And so that's what we're seeing over and over again. Matthew 12 begins with this Sabbath story. Matthew 11 ends with some words that you may be familiar with. And it's worth noting them and noting that these are back to back. So the end of Matthew 11, we're going to jump back there. Come to me, all you who what? And are? And I will? Give you rest. Remember, the next story, the very next story after this statement by Jesus brings to the forefront the local laws that were weighing down the people. And this is in direct contrast to Jesus who says, come to me, I'll give you relief. And I think it's so helpful to see that the Lord of the Sabbath, that Jesus in his keeping of the Sabbath, he is working to bring relief and release the burdens. Let me finish. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's a Sabbath thing as well. For my yoke is, what does it say? Easy. Easy, and my burden is light. That really sets the stage for Jesus and his relationship to the Sabbath and it being a time to release, to heal, to restore rather than burdened under this pile of regulation. But how many of us actually believe that, right? That it's really applicable. One of the things that we talked about this morning is the idea that many of us have grown up with the sense of the burden and the weight mm. of the Sabbath, rather than it being a freeing influence upon us. You know, even myself, when I think about what it means to take on the yoke of Christ, that, it sh that, that 
to be like him, to uh, experience life as he did. It's a contrast from what I've grown up with mm. and the structure that has essentially been placed around the Sabbath that at times can make it feel burdensome because it's more about the do's and don'ts than what I have an opportunity to experience myself mm. and experience with others. Mm-hmm. So part of what we're discovering is rediscovering the Sabbath in the gift that it is. And we, we get there today in, in that Mark text where Jesus talks about the gift of the Sabbath. Do you have any questions or comments before we jump into, we're going to finish the story which we left hanging, we're going to finish the story, but do you have any questions or comments before we do that? All right, so I will finish the story, and that is that as the the disciples are picking the grain, the religious leaders have accused them of working on the Sabbath, Jesus responds with two stories, both related to the temple. The first one is the story of David getting sacred bread, David and his men getting sacred bread at the town of Nob when he was fleeing Saul, and that that sacred bread was legitimately given to David in that time of need. Jesus then mentions a second temple-related story, and that is that the priests, he says the priests profane the Sabbath every week, but they're not guilt, and, and, and are guiltless. And then he mentions this, connecting himself to the temple. Yet I say to you that in this place, standing right there, on the edge of the grain field or in the middle of the grain field with these religious leaders and his disciples there, this little bunch of people, the disciples under accusation for Sabbath breaking, in this place, there is one greater than the temple. So you see this first reference in Matthew, uh, first reference in the Gospels of Jesus and the Sabbath, he is asserting his right to reintroduce the Sabbath. And he does that again, but this is the first time that we see him asserting that right to reintroduce the Sabbath. Continue the text. Yeah, go ahead. And then when you're done, continue continue the text and we'll jump. And not only is this an opportunity for Jesus to rebuke the Pharisees, right, for, for the false beliefs that they had wrapped around the Sabbath, but it also sets this firm foundation for his disciples, right? Mm. So that they can begin to push back on this misrepresentation of who God is. It was about removing the tradition, right, that they had packed around the Sabbath to reveal its true purpose. And I'll continue on. The Sabbath was made for man and... Oh, I'm sorry. I desire mercy. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Mm. So we're going to actually come back to that phrase, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, But before we do that, we're going to jump to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 2 adds a little more to the story by adding a second phrase. Well, it's actually a a pre-phrase to the Lord of the Sabbath. So we're going to look at that in Mark chapter 2. Yes, there we are. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So real quick. We're going to look at the second phrase of that first sentence. The Sabbath was made, excuse me, not man for the Sabbath. The people Jesus was speaking to believed that the Jews had been made to keep the Sabbath. Like God had made the Sabbath and then he didn't have anybody in the world to keep it. So he made the Jews to keep it. 
That's not something that we think about today, but that's what Jesus was pushing back against in that second phrase, that no, God didn't make the Jews for the Sabbath. It's actually the other way around. The Sabbath was made for humankind, right? Mm -hmm. So the Bible says the Sabbath was what? Made. What does it say? It was made. That's a quite a fascinating word. The Sabbath is not incidental to creation. It's an act of creation. What do you think about that? I think it's a tremendous concept to consider. Um, the, the willingness to give mm. right, this moment in time that allows God to commune with man. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty incredible thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, again, sets the example for what we ought to do mm. right, in giving that opportunity mm-hmm. in time. And as we look at the statements that are made, I mean, who better to give a definition of what the meaning of the Sabbath is mm. than the one who is who made it. Lord of the Sabbath mm. and who created it and can define for us its true purpose? Mm, that's right. So we're going to go back to Genesis, to the original making of the Sabbath and... Um, Again, notice before we jump there, notice that phrase, it was made for man or or humankind. This is incredible. This is a deliberate divine act of creating for human beings. And you get in that, it doesn't say gift, but you get the very distinct sense that the Sabbath is a gift. Now let's look at Genesis chapter This is chapter 2, first three verses. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Here is God resting. Now if God is resting from his work... What is he available for? If God is resting from his work, what is he available for? Time. The creation week of six days has just ended with the creation of Adam and Eve. So the creator rests so that he is available to them. What you have in the Sabbath is this picture of God declaring to the human family his priority of fellowship and relationship and connection to us. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So it's interesting that God rests making himself available to the newly minted Adam and Eve, and then he blesses, sets it aside, and, uh, yeah, blesses and sets it aside because he had rested on that day. In the creation week, there are three spaces, created spaces. The first, maybe you can name them. What are the three created spaces of creation week? Sky and air, atmosphere and sky, oceans, the water bodies, and land, 
Those are the three spaces. Those are all shared spaces. The sky provides a space for the stars, the sun, and then the air within our Earth's atmosphere. The water space provides this this, um, space for fish. It also is essential to the hydrologic cycle that nourishes our own bodies with, by, or that not nourishes, but that satisfies our thirst. And then the dry land is this it's a space that we primarily live on, or it's the space that we live on, visit the other, the water space. All of creation shares those three spaces. We all benefit from solar radiation. We all benefit from the water. We all benefit from the land. The only space that is uniquely oriented to human beings is the Sabbath space, a relational space. And, and with that, I mean, I, th- I think that's a, that's a beautiful thought. Um, we mentioned last week that God imbues himself within the Sabbath, mm. right? So he, he settles in to that space and offers us the opportunity to do the same with him. But in doing so, right, we are then recharged, mm. revitalized, recreated, with the intent of sharing that relational experience with those around us, mm-hmm. right? You mentioned the, this interconnectivity that we see within those three spaces, and then God defines this space, right, which is the epitome of that interconnected relationship mm-hmm. with the intent that it is then carried out through the remainder of the week. Right, and you brought to mind the, the idea that Adam and Eve are stewards, right? They're stewards of the planet. So pre-creation, they're still stewards of this place, Their stewarding well depended on their connection to and learning from the the maker and caretaker of the universe. So in that Sabbath space, they draw close to him. They are also equipped to steward well the created world. Right. And recall last week when we discussed the two uh, uh, statements around the Ten Commandments in Exodus and Deuteronomy, one where the reasoning behind uh, the the worship of Sabbath is focused on the creator aspect, and then the other on the fact that they were released as from slavery in Egypt, Mm. right? So those two things become married together. Mm. It's not one or the other. They cannot work independently of each other. So the Sabbath is essentially two pillars, one which focuses on the creative act mm-hmm. by God that we are to, to, to continue to keep in mind, but also right, the act of service, mm-hmm. the act of releasing burdens, right? And coming together with those, not just in here, but outside there as well, and looking for those opportunities to release their burdens. Mm-hmm. Focus on creation, like the gift that God has given, where we can reflect on him and his mercy, his character, and then focusing on outside, where we have an op- opportunity to then exercise mm. that character. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why this weekly cycle is so critical. Mm-hmm. And you also brought something else to mind, and that is the Sabbath does bless the created world, but the Sabbath blesses, the, or I should say, the rest of the created world. The Sabbath blesses the rest of the created world as human stewards are recharged and more deeply connected with the Creator. They are then equipped to steward the creation well. And that's why it's so critical because the Sabbath blesses the rest of creation, but that blessing is mediated through the hands of human beings. Right. And it really makes me think about the incompleteness, perhaps, of our Sabbath worship when we're not combining 
the two. Mm. Right? We go back to Isaiah 58, right? And that their worship was for strife. We look at the incidents mm. of, of the Pharisees and becoming the Sabbath police, right? Rather than being the liberators during mm. the Sabbath. That's right. So one text I want to highlight for you and uh, then we'll probably have to keep going, is this text in John chapter 17. John 17, and it's right here. Jesus says this. Read it for us. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So the highest realization of human flourishing is knowing God. The gift of Sabbath is creating this space that, that facilitates human beings moving toward the highest realization of their potential. And that is fellowship with the Creator. That's incredible. Right. And this knowledge is it's not a uh, cursory knowledge, right? This is an intimate knowledge mm. of who God is, mm -hmm. right? The failure that Israel had is because they didn't know him. They mm. didn't know his character. And because they didn't know his character, they couldn't fully complete the mission that God had for That's them. That's right. That's right. So I just want to, just a quick note here. I noticed this, this is a podcast. Ezra Klein is a, he's a political liberal, but he has a passion for, all of his political views, views are tied into his passion for society to flourish. But I want you to notice the interesting title of the second one in the list, and I'll throw it up a little bigger for you. We know shockingly little about what makes humanity prosper. That caught my attention because you and I actually know what it takes for humanity to, fl to flourish. Isn't that crazy? Just to think that, that the society outside of here, in a sense, the larger society, really, truly, the struggles, uh, you know, obviously there's politics that's just mean, but then, but then besides that, there are human beings putting their heads to the grindstone, figuring out how to make the planet work, how to make civilization better. Like, and these are all across the political spectrum, really, truly doing things, trying to make better laws, better systems to flourish. And what strikes me is this incredible gift that we have mm -hmm. through the scriptures of actually knowing the thing they're searching for. We actually know what they're looking for, and we know the keys and the tools and the path, and it's kind of packaged in the Sabbath. So Ezra's longing for a prospering human family, we have, like the stuff, we've been given the insights to the thing that really makes human beings flourish. That just feels amazing and heavy at the same time. Right, right. We've been given the blueprint. blueprint. The problem is that when you look at how Israel sought to execute that, it was based on domination. It was mm. based on power. It didn't come out of love. It didn't come out of a belief in doing things beneficial to others. And I think that's some of the same problem that we see today. People want to reshape and mold the world in what their vision of who God is, not who he truly is. Mm. Right? And when we seek to do that, it comes from a place of selfishness mm. right? in complete opposition to who God is. 
but we've been given what we need. We go back to Isaiah 58, right? That plan that was laid out for us, the plan that we are supposed to follow instructs us on how we are to carry this thing out. Not from a sense of power, not from a sense of domination, but from a sense of love for God mm. and love for others. I want to expand on that, but we're, we're going to have an excuse to do it in a second. Um, this last sentence, therefore the Son of Man, well, let me just start at the beginning. The Sabbath was made for man. We looked at the creation. This is the Sabbath is a gift to the human family. And then Jesus, remember, he asserted in Matthew 12, he asserts that he has the authority because one greater than the temple is present. Jesus is asserting his authority to define the Sabbath. Now he does it again. The Sabbath is made for man. So it's a gift to, to man. And then he says this, therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus in this passage is asserting that as the head of humanity to whom the gift of Sabbath has been given, he is within his rights to define its use. So we see that in the gospel stories. Right. And we see this consistent pushback by Christ right, mm -hmm. to, to set the record straight. As we said before, we've been given the tools. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. Jesus is not bringing something new here. Mm. It's what's always existed. But the problem is the stiff-necked people, right, who have in their desire to protect what God has delivered to them have essentially trampled all over it, mm. right? They have done their will. They have done their desire, right? Mm -hmm. And they have turned the Sabbath into a detestable thing. Mm -hmm. So what Christ comes now to do is to reiterate what was in the Old Testament to magnify and illuminate the direction that we should mm -hmm. truly be following in regards to the Sabbath and service to him. So that brings us to this. I desire mercy and not what? So, so Jesus was reminding them of actually an Old Testament idea that, that saturates the text. TJ and I will sometimes look at each other and say, how do we miss it? Mm. How after, you know, in ministry 20 plus years, and TJ, I think you were raised in an Adventist family, yep. right? So how is it, I was raised in an Adventist family, how is it that, that all these years later we feel like we're discovering something fresh? It's not really fresh, it's been in the text, it's been in the refrigerator this whole time. But anyway, so this is one of those that I desire mercy and not sacrifice, where Jesus is He's just challenged the religious leaders. He says, listen, if you had read this phrase, it's in, it's in your books, and known what it means, you wouldn't have been complaining about the disciples picking grain on the Sabbath. In the passage, Jesus is declaring the ultimate goal that God is looking for. In all, this, in all the worship practices, in the Sabbath, in the giving of the Ten Commandments, in the, in the, the Mosaic Law, Jesus and this is true for the entire Old Testament story, God was looking for character change, characters that reflected his mercy. Right. The question I ask is, what are we looking to get out of the Sabbath? Mm. Is it purely for us? Or are we truly looking to do the work of God? Mm. In the earlier service, we talked about our history and what we've grown up with. And 
the, the unfortunate things that have been passed down to us, right, which have made Sabbath a burden. You know, it's a constant thing that I have in my mind as I'm talking to my kids. How am I relaying what the Sabbath means to them? Mm. Is it just about, well, you're not going to do this, you're not going to do that, you're not going to do that? Or is it something that is experiential, right? Mm. That is a blessing because they have the opportunity, again, not only to experience it with God, but to experience it, to experience it with the people around them. Mm. Now, therefore, it becomes a blessing. Mm. I think for far too long, we have acted as if it is a burden. Despite the smiles on our face, right, we don't live like it is a blessing to us. And mm. that has to change. Mm. And there are prophetic reasons for why that has to change that we'll discuss in future mm. um, uh, teachings. Yes. So Jesus makes it clear that God isn't looking for people who do religion well. He's looking for people whose characters are modeled after his character of mercy. That's the whole point. The whole point of all the religious stuff in Scripture is to make people beautiful like God is beautiful. Right. How are we intended to carry out the work to be the light if we have no idea what the light looks like? If we have no idea how to shine the light, right? It becomes impossible to do the job that we've been given. And we fall into the same trap as Israel did. And as a nation, what happened to them? As a nation, they were lost. Mm. As individuals, they can be saved, but the work that the nation was supposed to do was lost to them, and it had to go to someone else. Let that not be said of us, Mm. because we didn't understand the time of our visitation, Mm. because we confused the knowledge of doctrine or rites and rituals with what it truly means to be a follower of Christ. Mm, that's, that's a pretty heavy call, even t- to me, as I think, you know, the other day, last night we were doing our last minute review before today, and um, just myself admitting that I'm learning things and leaning into this, just really myself processing, how do I lean into the Sabbath and the way of God as I'm increasingly discovering it? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's... It, in all honesty, it can be a little bit scary, mm. right? Because it's so different from what I've known. Mm. But again, this is not new. This is what's in scripture, mm-hmm. right? It's what's been given to us via counsel. Mm. So let's start to now execute on that mm. so we can fulfill God's purpose. So we're going to try a little bit more here this morning. We're not going to keep you all day, but we're going to do a little bit more and then we'll pick it up next time. This is Mark 3. We looked at Mark a little bit. We're back in Mark so they watched him closely. Again, we mentioned how the, or TJ mentioned how they were constantly on Jesus, trying to bring him down, trying to find some excuse to undermine him. So here we find it again. They watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And then there's this question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? We're jumping between stories because these are The same story, different accounts, Mm -hmm. Matthew and Mark. I find that question fundamentally like off. If you don't understand what the Sabbath's about, then you ask, this is a stupid question. I'm sorry, this is a stupid question. It's a question of ignorance. You ask, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Because you don't get it. Once you get the Sabbath, this question is ludicrous. Mm -hmm. 
because the God of the Sabbath, his whole point is restoring and blessing and healing and liberating. And when that becomes clear, the biblical model of Sabbath becomes clear, then this question, so this is a question that is the definition of ignorance. When you read the text, it says that Jesus became angry with those that were around him. I right? think I might and, have that here. And, 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 yes, and, here it is. And he grieved, right, for the hardness hmm. of their hearts. The healing of that man's hand was a condemnation of those leaders. It was a condemnation of the customs and the rituals that they have built. Sabbath was for healing. And as you said, it was a ridiculous question. I mean, it was in, it was in such opposition to who God was. But this is how twisted that they had become. So that they couldn't even see the needs and wants of those around them. It was purely about them. That is a dangerous space to be in and must be avoided at all costs. Christ tried right, on numerous occasions right, to bring this to the forefront. Mm. It is a lesson that, that we must learn in earnest in order to carry forward. Mm. So we're going to go to something by Ellen. And this is, uh, let's just see, this is from, uh, I think that's 2SP. What is 2SP for anybody? Spirit of Prophecy. Spirit of Prophecy, mm-hmm. second volume. They were following up his track to find occasion for falsely accusing him. They were hunting his life with bitter hatred and malice while he was saving life and bringing happiness to many hearts. Just take that contrast in. And again, think about the life of Jesus. As we're talking about Jesus in the Sabbath, just in the back of our hands, remember, this is constant conflict every single Sabbath for Jesus. It's intense to think of Jesus living in that kind of constant battering and bickering. He's not bickering back, but he's faced by just like piranhas every Sabbath, pretty much every day of the week, even beyond Sabbath, just this constant, just just think about Jesus and that interaction. I'll continue the paragraph. Was it better to slay upon the Sabbath as they were planning to do than to heal the afflicted as he had done? Was it more righteous to have murder in the heart upon God's holy day than to have that love toward all men which finds expression in deeds of charity and mercy? I mean, that's absolutely fascinating. They were prepared to kill this man because he healed on Sabbath. Hmm. Their tradition prevented them from carrying out their mission. They were so wound up on this idea of protecting it, that they completely missed it. And they were willing to shed blood in order to keep it safe, Mm -hmm. to keep it protected. Mm -hmm. So we're going to wrap up with this because we want you to get lunch. And we're going to jump back in. We're going to postpone the next. We're going to talk about the gathered church, right, in the context of Isaiah 58. We're going to put that off one more week because this is such good stuff. We're going to wrap this up next time we get together. But we're not done quite yet because this interaction highlights the persecution Jesus faced around doing deeds of mercy. And there's a text that's that's quite relevant. John 16, 
These things I've spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. They will, yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. So as we discussed earlier, when we look at end time events in the future, and again, I'm not going to get too deep into it. Please keep this text in mind. Mm. The individuals that sought to kill Christ because he was healing, because he was doing God's work on Sabbath, that same scenario will repeat itself. Mm. When we talk about what it truly means to keep the Sabbath and have the character of God, what's being referred to here is an indicator of what will occur to those individuals that have decidedly right, and um, wholeheartedly put all of their focus towards reflecting the character of Christ. Mm. And what Satan hates the most is the character mm. of God and who he is and who he desires for us to be. So let me put this out to you. And we'll explore this more. But could it be that the final struggle that we've been talking about for a long time at Seventh-day Adventist, the final struggle before the coming of Jesus, has more to do with a struggle over character than a struggle about which day to show up in church? Now, the Sabbath is on the seventh day and will always be the seventh day of the week. That's not up for grabs. It's not up for contention. It's not on the table as far as an option. But... Sometimes we have narrowly defined the final struggle as a question about which day to show up in church. Mm -hmm. But if we follow the life of Jesus as an example, the real struggle isn't primarily over which day to show up in church, but about which character exists in my life, a character of mercy or a character of selfishness. And my showing up in church on the right day, or maybe I can't show up in church, but my worship Mm -hmm. on the seventh day is a declaration of which character I choose to embrace. Right, and that's why we have to understand this in broader terms. What if we had no access to this building? What is it really about? The Sabbath is a sign that we are sanctified by him, that our character transformation occurs because of him. Hmm. It's not confined to a building. It's a representation of who we have chosen to be. Hmm. And the greatest offense in the conflict is people loving like God loves. It really truly is that simple. We see that, I mean, that, the greatest offense in the life of Jesus was not that he had theological disagreement mm-hmm. with the leaders. It was that his life was a selfless life and they could not handle it. Amen. Let's pray. God... We are gathered on sacred time. And we're learning a little bit more about what you gave us in giving us the Sabbath. And we just ask God that you would help us. There's some relearning and some rethinking and some rediscovering that needs to happen. And we need you to help us take this journey. So we ask for you to do that. And we just come to you because of the privilege and the gift that we have through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more content or to connect with us, 
visit us online at brunswickadventist.church.com.